Jersey is the world. Oh, New Jersey is the world listeners. Chris Gethard here with something new for you. We're trying something new. This is someone who, frankly, should have been on the show a long time ago. Someone who's been a big part of New Jersey is the world. And if you only listen to the podcast, you might not know that. So to give a little background, uh, I'm talking today with a person who has become a really good friend over the past year or two, uh, Nick Fierro, fellow comedian who I did a show in Asbury Park and I saw him and so good. This was at Allie Mae's show, Power Bottom. Allie Mae and Joe uh, run that show and saw Nick there that night, saw Alex Nicholas there that night. It was a great show. I saw a lot of great people. And right away when I saw Nick, I said, this is someone who clearly were cut from the same cloth. And I, I went up, was chatting with him. Turned out we have a ton of mutual friends uh, from Pat Byrne to Brett Davis and, and this whole wing of comedy that we were both a part of where we've been circling each other for a while. And I said, this is meant to be. And here's how Nick has been a secret member of, of New Jersey's world for a long time in a way where you almost think of the Wu-Tang clan and people go, and then you have Capadonna who's like all but a member and a, 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 a member in all but name only. If you ever came to our old shows at the house of independence, uh, when we did our monthly show back then, uh, you probably saw Nick, Nick would come out and just do the most ludicrous bits. I could call Nick short notice, sometimes day of, I once called him day of and said, I got a guy who owns multiple suits of armor. He does a type of MMA where they dress up in armor and fight dressed as knights. Any chance you could come dress up as a knight and fight a guy who does this. And he was there. <laughs> he was there that night. And then not only that had, I'm sure Nick will touch on this. Nick helps uh, run a bar in Jersey city. He had gone, yep. he had opened up the bar that night, came to Asbury park, fought a man in a suit of armor and then went and finished out a shift, which is just about the most Jersey thing you could do. Uh, Nick has also been coming out on the road with me quite often. And we've been doing a lot of stand up together. And I'm telling you, we have driven to West Virginia and back. We have driven to Pittsburgh and back. And we've done at, at least, I believe two stretches of life where we flew to destinations and then drove all over together. And we've never even turned on the music once because the man has stories and it's, <laughs> it's an honor to finally welcome the great Nick Fierro to New Jersey is the world officially. All right. How are you, Nick? Oof, that is, that is, Oh, that is one red carpet. Uh, thank you. No, we, we actually did turn the radio on once to listen to, um, the Seton hall talk after the game. Oh, right. Um, driving from, uh, probably Bloomington, Illinois, down to St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis. Yeah. St. Louis. It's true. I, I'm <laughs> people who listen do know that I really love the Seton Hall Pirates basketball program, and a game was on, and we listened to the end of the game, and then I said, "Do you mind if we listen to Hall Line?" And you said, "What's that?" Uh, and I said, "This is one of the great <laughs> things in North Jersey," and I'm glad you brought it up because other people out there are listening. You might not know. After every Seton Hall basketball game, they have a call-in show where people can call in and and basically rant about how the game went. And it's a very histrionic fan base. So if they win, it's often very euphoric. And if they lose, you would think that the apocalypse is unfolding. And I knew you would love it because you're a true North Jersey uh -huh. guy. And it was just, here's uh -huh. Nick from Milburn ranting. Here's Johnny from Point Pleasant ranting and it's just North Jersey goons just venting on the radio. It's a pretty great show. 
It was great. And coming from like, I, I did radio throughout college and knowing how just nervous all those announcers are on air and they have to interact with people. Oh God, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. And that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good stretch. And I knowing nothing about sports whatsoever. It was still just as entertaining as though I'd been watching Seton Hall play for years. No clue now, what was going on. I didn't know what was happening, <laughs> but it was very, very funny. Now, Nick, I wanted to title this series. I think we're going to do this on a, on a somewhat regular basis. I've, we've yeah. been texting about it. I've asked you a few times. We finally found a recording date. We've planned almost nothing. We don't know how often this will happen. We don't really know what it will entail. Ostensibly, I think we're going to title it "Talk in Totowa" because you are—you uh, grew up in Totowa, which is a town that a lot of North Jersey people. I'll put this out here: if you know Totowa at all, you know it for a few things. Um, for most people, if you're if you're an average North Jersey citizen, you've probably driven through Totowa on your way up Route 46 because it's sort of between like the what you know what we call uh, I think it's between um, Wayne. And like uh, what we used to call West Patterson, right? What do they call it now? Woodland Park. Mm-hmm. It's now Woodland Park. So there's a big stretch of Route 46 where you cut through Totowa. Um, if you're a weird New Jersey fan, you definitely know Totowa because it's one of the center point weird New Jersey towns. You know, you got your West Milfords, Alpine has the Devil's Tower, Bernardville has the Devil's Street, but everybody knows Totowa is where both Annie's Road and Midgetville are. And on top mm-hmm. of that, you've got the, the Riverview Cemetery. Um, with a few of those really elaborate gravestones that have been featured in Weird New Jersey. But I would argue that it's a town that outside of those Weird New Jersey things, people don't know too much about it. Like many mm. New Jersey towns. If you if you don't have a reason to go, you don't. Whereas you know a ridiculous amount of things about Totowa, New Jersey. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I know my experience in it. Like, I there's there's... It's, it's positioned geographically, it makes no sense because it's next to Patterson, which bustling factory town throughout, you know, a good part of the last century. It's next to Wayne, which is massive. And then it's kind of coupled with um, Little Falls and West Patterson or Woodland Park. And that's like the high school is like Little Falls, West Patterson and Totowa make up Sake Valley High. Um, and like, it was kind of weird, like West Patterson, Little Falls and Totowa all had kind of different personalities in that high school. Like, I think Totowa put out a lot of like, oddly smart very polite weird kids <laughs> like it's a small town the town's nine thousand people which is like clifton high right um but it's a whole town um and it i don't i think it's kind of useless as land because i, th- I think it was never really used as farmland it's famously where george washington stayed like there was a house a stone house across from my elementary school where george washington stayed once and that was like what we learned we learned that in school every year like george washington stayed there and they never told us why like why he passed through anything like that. But it's a, it's a weird place. It's also where 46, 80 and 23 intersect. So it's this weird little small hub, like a a few times bigger than Hoboken. That's just in the middle of all this other crazy crap going on. And one of the famous things I heard back when I worked at weird New Jersey, that I think is a little bit of a tagline for the town in some ways is that the cemetery is so huge that Totowa technically has more dead residents than living. Yeah, so that was, I don't know if that's still the case, but I, I have you ever looked if that's in the Guinness Book or not? Because that was always a thing we kind of hung on our, we hung that around our necks, like, look at us, we are more dead than living. Um, but I never, I've honestly never bothered looking it up. I think it's true. So we're just going to go with, yeah. 
There yeah. you go. I have yeah, not looked it up. I'm going to choose that yeah. it's in the Guinness Book. I have not looked yeah. it up. Has now, to be. Now, you've told me a lot of stories, and a lot of these things mm-hmm. have happened with you and I in a car, and we're hashing mm-hmm. it out. Maybe I'm telling you things about West Orange or my New Brunswick experience. You're telling me about Jersey City, and the total story will come up, and the total stories tend to be very fascinating and weird. One thing I wanted to almost maybe put out there and throw out that I think you'll get a kick out of as far as episode one of talking Totowa <laughs> is there's a part of me that wants to say, maybe you could explain to the people listening how Totowa mm-hmm. works, but based on what you've told me in private, I know for a fact, there's no way you can really on a recorded platform, <laughs> really get into how Totowa works. True or false? True. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I, it's <laughs> sort of this weird like bubble it's it's this weird bubble that um yeah I, I have no clue i know the schools are really good i know uh property tax is pretty low i know housing cost is high and it's still next to the Passaic river which when i was growing up was the 16th most polluted river in the world so i don't know it's a weird mix of things like it's there's 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 a lot going on at the same time like i think i've told you this before they built like a bunch of really nice houses up in the, in the mountains in the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. And those houses overlooked an orphanage (laughs) and that orphanage overlooked the cemetery and that cemetery overlooked the Pasig river, which at the time, again, was the 16th most polluted (laughs) river in the world. And then that just was Patterson beyond the river. Like, then that encapsulates, I think everything in that place. Like there's, there's, I think they built a gated community there when I was in high school. And that was like crazy because when I was growing up, it was mostly woods. Like you had the North Jersey developmental center, you had like a few little neighborhoods and then you had the stretch of road that was coconuts, Toys R Us, Rickles, and, uh, you know, a few dollar stores. And, uh, and now it's, it's got a Starbucks. I think they got their first Starbucks this year. So, the, so we're, we're on the city on the rise. That, I, I mean, that is an amazing image. The idea that if you're the person who can buy the house on the hill, which in every town denotes rich, right? The house up on a hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Orphanage in the foreground. Yep. Middle ground cemetery. They touch each other. They share a boundary. <laughs> background. Background. Hideously toxic river. Far background. Patterson, New Jersey, uh, where Lean on Me, where the true events that inspired the movie Lean on Me took place. This is your view as the rich person in town. Uh, I was a substitute teacher at the, the school that Lean on Me uh, took place at. You've told me about that as well. And that is, that is, <laughs> it's, it's a, that's for another one, though. You want to talk about true Jersey credibility, substitute teacher <laughs> at Fair East Side Fair East Side? Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a wild place. and But I, like, I never, I don't, I don't know how much I. I don't know how much I participated in what total was like. I, I, I didn't play sports in the town really. Like I played like little league and stuff. Um, but like I, I, my, my day would be, I knew I could walk. It was a 20 minute walk to coconuts where I could go buy a primus CD yeah. when I was in like seventh grade. Uh-huh. And then it was all construction sites because it was all woods and it got developed as I was getting older. So I, from like fourth grade to eighth grade or ninth grade, it was just going into the woods, finding a construction site and just hanging out at it all day. That's all we would do. It was all construction for most of my, most of my upbringing there. And again, not to put you in any sort of weird spot, but it's also one of those towns. And there's a lot of North Jersey towns like this where 
if you were talking with other people who grew up in Totowa, there would be a shorthand born of the experience of being there that I can't fully lock in with and that listeners wouldn't understand. Like a room full of Totowa people, if you say, how does Totowa work? It, mm-hmm. That conversation unfolds in a slightly different way than when you just explain to our listeners how Totowa works. Yeah, it's, 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 I don't I'm trying to find a, a, a way to tap dance around it, <laughs> but yeah, there's, um, it's definitely, like I said, like no, not a lot of people leave. So the people that have been there for a while tend to have a say in how things go. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's sort of <laughs> a self-enclosed little like weird enclave. And uh, I've, I've had the, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's odd for people to move out of it. You describe it as a self-enclosed weird enclave uh, with a lot of lifers, which is a beautiful thing, a beautiful description Mm -hmm. of a North Jersey town. I wonder, have you thought about all the weird New Jersey strongholds? Because for a relatively small town, a town that size-wise and population-wise, I would say an outsized impact. I I named before Midgetville and Annie's Road and the cemetery that people go and like to look at those graves in. And I even then forgot to list, of course, the infamous Wave and Joe of Totowa. I was going to bring up Wave and Joe. Wave and yeah. Joe, another Weird New Jersey icon in that early day, the early days when Weird New Jersey came up from the underground and exploded as a magazine. Wave and Joe, huge. We're talking four things that every high school kid of the late 90s through mid 2000s, you weren't really a high school kid in Jersey until you'd gone and driven down Andy's <laughs> Road and gone and honked and waved at Wave and Joe. And you'd probably tormented people in Midgetville, which now we can all realize was probably not the coolest thing to do. Have you put any thought, like being that you grew up there, what was that like for you to, that that was a weird hub? So Annie's Road is the first one that comes to mind. Cause I didn't, I remember the night I heard, how did you hear about Annie's Road? Like, how was the, how was that story told to you? Cause everyone's got a different way that they heard about it. Some people heard it through weird New Jersey, but for those of us that heard it from someone else's mouth, how did you hear that story? Because I love listening to this. I would say uh, in West Orange, because that's another weird thing about growing up where we did. Like West Orange, it's Montclair, then Clifton, then Totowa, right? It's three towns mm-hmm. away. But Totowa might as you. well have been, you know, Atlantis. It felt <laughs> like in a pre-GPS era, the idea that we would find our way to, when we got our licenses and found out that we could actually make our way to these things we had heard about, it was an adventure. And, and, uh, the first weird New Jersey trip I ever went on, we went and broke into the cemetery because we wanted, we went and saw Annie's road and Midgetville and Mm -hmm. we broke into the cemetery. Carson cop from New Jersey's the world was also there. Um, so I distinctly remember, I will say, I remember we read about Midgetville in Weird New Jersey, and of course, everybody flipped out because the branding on that is built for a late 90s Jersey kid to go, Mm -hmm. I have to see that. When we realized that Annie's Road was on the same road, there was only at that point, Weird New Jersey, I don't think they did their full write-up on Annie's Road until issue 11, and we had issue 8 or 9 was when Midgetville was... um, 8 was the first one that was like distribution in comic book stores and, and... and stuff. The first seven were just a fanzine you had to order. So eight was when we all found it. Right. So we knew about, yeah, we knew Midgetville. There was a little blurb about Annie's road. And if I remember right, there was a girl in my high school who knew about it. When we all started talking about weird New Jersey and word started to spread in West Orange high school about this magazine. And I started bringing it in and everybody started flipping out. And I remember there was my friend, Allison, 
who was a cheerleader, but she was so cool, so nice. Uh, I couldn't believe she talked to me. She was the head cheerleader. She was one who, she had a cousin, I think, who lived in Franklin Lakes. So she knew about a bunch of stuff up on that more Passaic and Bergen end of the state. And she was the one that was like, Annie's Road and Midgetville, that's the same road. So that's when we knew we had to go. So that right. answers your story of how we heard about it. All right. Because I remember I was probably in maybe, I might have been in fifth or sixth grade. And um, my dad was coaching Little League basketball. I was a very uncoordinated, very small kid. But my dad loved basketball, so I played basketball. Not very good at basketball. I was the kind of kid that wore a full sweatsuit underneath my basketball uniform. Like I had the late 80s shorts with sweatpants, long sleeve sweatshirt with the jersey over it, bowl cut, and not coordinated. And all the kids on my team were like tall, cool, good at basketball, <laughs> understood how it was played. And I was just kind of a dork. Um, but we were, we were friendly enough. Like it wasn't like... Um, but I remember after a couple games, my dad was taking us to the pizza in West Patterson. And uh, it was after we won something, I guess. And we, we were eat, eating pizza. And then he's driving everybody home. My dad had this, my dad famously had this 1990 Isuzu Trooper. That was like this legendary car that if you played Little League in my town, my dad drove you home in that truck. It was legendary. I have somewhere in this room, the Isuzu logo from the front somewhere on it. Like it was the car. Everyone relate. Like he drove around town. People honked when they saw it. Like that was the truck. And we're driving around after Pizza Hut. You know, there's eight kids piled in the back, two in the two or three in the middle seat, and like one kid up front. And he's driving and he goes, Hey, you kids want to hear a story? And we're all like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he takes us down. He starts driving real slow. And he just starts going down Annie's Road and he starts telling us a story. My dad's a good storyteller. He's telling, he's spinning this yarn about this girl and how this and that coming up from under the ground, she'll grab your ankles. That was the, that was the, the part that got everybody. If your, if your feet touch the grass, she can get you and she'll grab. I watched these kids that were, you know, the talk of the town, the, the, the higher ups in the, in the social ladder in my grade turn into babies when they got to their front door and they had to like jump over their front lawn because they were afraid Annie was going to come up and get them. So we were kind of like all united by this weird fear of this like ghost girl that was going to kill you. Um, and I, I, mean, I didn't sleep for like a couple of hours. Like I said, he's a really good storyteller, but me and a bunch of like guys who were in fifth or sixth grade were already almost six feet tall, turned into just children in like an instant because of this story. Um, and then after, you know, a couple of years later, as soon as you're driving, you drive back around and you're like, yeah, that was just a really good story we heard on a regular road. Like nothing really weird. Look, like nothing happens here. There was the red paint that someone had thrown down. Mm -hmm. But like my school bus went by that. So you'd see that every day. So it became kind of commonplace. And the same thing with the Midgetville where it's like, oh, yeah, we just go around this curve. Like I always knew it would be like kind of weird to go there. I was like, oh, if I go there, they're going to know I'm going there just to go there. Like I'm not going to... um like hang out at it. Right. So and I never really explored that too much. Also, those are probably people who like might know your parents or who shop in the same stores right. as you. And yeah, yeah. That is one of the ones that I look back and, and I go, man, Midgetville was a fantastic story. But now I'm in my forties and I realize like those were homes intended for seasonal use when you could swim in the river. And now right. the people living there are just working class people. And we should not yeah. be just taunting the working class for living down by a river. It's not cool. And honestly, yeah. And I didn't know a lot of people that really went around there and like honked their horns or did spin outs. It was kind of a, I think it's because we all live there. Like it didn't really, there was weirder shit to do. 
Like someone was, like I said, when I grew up, it was mostly woods. So someone was doing something out in the woods or someone's doing something in the construction sites or having a party in their garage when their mom was away. Like it was a weird town. You couldn't get away with anything in that town. Everyone knew everybody. It's really small. So if you were going to mess around, like someone was going to know, you kind of knew better. Now, here's a question I've always wondered that I haven't asked you is Mm. if West Orange had a road like Annie's road, Mm -hmm. That was attracting, I mean, I would have to imagine when Weird New Jersey was really in that stretch busting out, 98, 99, up through the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's still the best. It's still the greatest magazine on planet Earth. We know this. but Absolutely. Every weekend night, there's at least a handful of cars of kids from Wayne and Clifton and West Orange and Verona and all the neighboring towns. There's caravans coming down that road, honking their horns, looking for the bloodstain. If if that happened in West Orange, I'm fairly certain we would have camped out and been throwing eggs or rocks at those cars. Was this a total thing? As far as I know, no. And keep in mind, this is before... Like, you could be as... This is before I knew what people were doing with their spare time. Like, I had my small group of friends, so if we weren't doing something, I don't really know what other people were doing. And like, as I got older and was driving around more, I never saw that when I was like in high school age where like my friends could drive, we didn't really go down it because it was our route to school. Like it was <laughs> Riverview Drive, which is Annie's Road, wraps around all three of those towns, Totowa, West Patterson, Little Falls, and kind of turns it to French Hill Road once you get to Wayne. So like it was, it was so normal to us, but we loved it. I, the, the fun of it was that people built it up so much. Like I'm sure the way people live on Clinton Road are like, can you just, all right. Like you drove all the way up here just to drive our road. You think you can see a, a mansion in the distance at night? You can't. It's this. Like, like I kind of like that part where it was. Uh, we have a we have a little weird freak anomaly, but there was so much weirder shit in Totowa. Like the guy that would build the Halloween decorations out of animal bones <laughs> down by the middle school. <laughs> like th- that was on a cover, wasn't it? Was it was on, on a one cover. Of the weird yes, he covers. used to take actual animal carcasses and rebuild them into sort of like Jersey devil creatures and hang them from trees. Yeah. Right. My, I was so jealous because it was, that was when I was in like, um, like junior high or like fifth to eighth grade. And my best friend got to walk home from school cause he lived near it. And I took the bus, but he would walk past it every day. And I was so pissed. It was such a cool house. And then that was also near the purple house, which is on the same block. I believe the purple lady lived, um, right on that the house was purple she had purple flowers purple drapes purple curtains she wore purple she came outside purple watering can purple lady bones guy same block two blocks away from my best friend <laughs> like it was perfect <laughs> it was so it made sleepovers so fun because we'd like kind of creep out and like walk past that stuff and just be like it's you know three in the morning you're in seventh grade it's you're just staring at bones <laughs> and then the purple lady's house you know what i'm really loving about you describing your hometown right now here's one thing i'm realizing that i wonder if <laughs> you might agree this is sort of a thesis statement for totoa and why i love hearing you talk about it which is for most of north jersey it is customary for us to go on a pilgrimage to go to totoa mm-hmm. to see annie's road and Midgetville mm-hmm. too, but I think I think a lot of people go and see Midgetville, and then after the first time they go, Annie's Road is. I mean, you hit that stretch of Riverview Drive where the cemetery's on your left, the river's on your right. It gets real dark. The blood. You're like, this is where I'm going to bring my friends back to and, and scare. Them. Midgetville is one thing, but Annie's Road, you can come out and scare people. Yeah. For most of North Jersey, you go on a pilgrimage to that road because it's the height of scary. 
our ceiling yeah, of weirdness is you're like that's just a road in town we all know the actual depths of living in Totowa is can be so much more strange than that well keep in mind like what we're surrounded by like literally three highways you're surrounded all, there's no you've got yeah <laughs> there's train tracks that run through it um i used to walk the train tracks i'd go up under train trestles and just climb up and like hang out like I don't know. It was a great place to never be bored. Like you could kind of just, there was always something to do if you just wanted to walk for a little while. Um, looking back, I wish I was a little more adventurous. Like I wish I had gone deeper into some weird stuff, but like, keep on, I, I grew up there during the late eight, I was born in the eighties. So like I was during the satanic panic era, there was some like, don't go into the woods behind the park because this one kid who lives in town, um, I heard that he took all the bunch, he took a bunch of kids in the woods and then he bit his own tongue off in front of them. <laughs> Jesus. And you'd be like, he did what? Like, no, his sister's in my class. Like, I, no, I, I drove past his house today. He's a nice guy. But you'd go into the woods and like you, but we would find weird stuff every now and again. Like, I remember one time we went into the, the woods behind the park and we found this basketball that had a bunch of drug needles stuck in it. Like a ton. Like it looked like Pinhead from Hellraiser, but it was needles in a basketball. And I'm in like fifth grade i don't know what any of this is and one of my friends who's like a year older so i believed everything he said informed me that they were in fact marijuana needles wow uh, wow yeah. so i had to go home and tell my mom that i found marijuana needles in the woods and she was like okay it's fine whereas if you had if your your friend was so close if you had said heroin needles your mom would have been so concerned i'm sure but marijuana needles she just went you idiot kids i don't know what you're talking about I'll never forget the way he said it too, because he was like a dorky kid like me. And he goes, those are marijuana needles, yo. I was like, oh <laughs> dude, like I'm, I'm, I'm younger than you. And I know that's, that doesn't sound right. Like what's wrong with you? So it's, it, um, it's so fascinating to hear like Annie's road, Midgetville shrug of your shoulders. When you grow up there, we've got the purple lady next to the bones house and rumors of children biting off their own tongues. Like this is our day to day reality. It's, it is strange. It is it is strange by the sense of outsiders. I wonder if there's anything you can remember from your high school years that would have been like a legitimately like, oh yeah, this was shocking to us. This really happened and it was shocking. Cause I know West Aren't, you know, the whole premise of the of the Wotown portion of New Jersey is the world is there's some stories we have from our West Orange days of like, oh yeah, this really happened and it was nuts. And we tell people who aren't from West Orange and they go, it sounds like it was nuts. And we go, yeah, it was, sometimes it was nuts how we grew up. Are there any things you remember from town, whether it was in school or not, where you're like, oh yeah, this legitimately freaked us all out. And we were kids built to have a high tolerance to being freaked out already. I, it, it's almost like a TV show where, okay, remember the, the Black Hole Sun video from Soundgarden? Of course. The, the, like that, when people are walking through town, they have that plastered smile on their face. <laughs> There's things that mimic that sort of creepy, slightly off-putting energy that I'll never forget. So there was a guy, so my, again, my, my um, fifth through eighth grade school, my middle school was across from the cemetery. Um, and one of the cemeteries, because the cemetery was broken up into a few pieces, but that was like the big main one. Um, so it, that also overlooked a separate cemetery than the orphanage did. It's kind of the same energy. Um, and aside from an alarming number of car crashes happening on that, on that street in the four years I was there, like an alarming amount. Like I think I had a collection of broken taillight pieces that I would pick up while waiting for the bus. Um, 
you <laughs> you had a, my friend was the caretaker of the cemetery's kid, so he would walk out of the cemetery in the morning, and in like in like New Jersey by a river in the early early fall, it is just fog, and you just see my buddy. I'm not going to say his name, but you just see him walking out. <laughs> he wasn't a popular kid. <laughs> like we, we would just kind of meet up in the morning, hang out. He still had the fog coming off his shoulders a little oh, bit sometimes. Um, but then uh, while we're waiting for the bus, I wish I, I never asked my folks about this. There was this guy named George who would come by who I guess could best be described as like maybe a, a town drunk at that time. This is like mid to late nineties. And he would just be across the street from the school and he would shout, motivational phrases to the kids with a very heavy slur early in the afternoon. Like we're getting out of school at three fifteen. This guy's in the bag. He's on the moon. He's across the street wearing an old army jacket, waving his arms going, stay in school. Don't do drugs. He's preaching to the kids. He's preaching to the choir and this poor crossing guard for the, for all Toto would like tried to do to be a modern place. The crossing guards in that town looked like they were from the fifties. Like they had the hat with the upturned curl in the front and they all had like really nice, they looked like flight attendants from the sixties that were in their like mid fifties. It was a weird, and she would just politely try to make George go away. Um, we had Pete and repeat the two old men that walked in. They were the identical twins in their seventies that walked in. Stuff. Oh yeah. They were written up in weird New Jersey for walking around on route 23. I didn't realize they made it all the way to Totowa. They were totally, they lived, they lived a few blocks from of my middle school. They did. They would, they would dress. Here's the, the one thing that always got me. And this is a little bit of the OCD coming out. They would always same haircut, uh, white t-shirt. They'd walk in step with each other. So it was this, um, arms would swing in the same manner, but I swear, I swear to God, one of them would wear like blue Dickies and one would wear like dark gray. And it bugged me so much. Like that was the one thing. Like you were so close guys. You just had to be a little one. You had to be a little rebellious and go with different pants. You have slightly darker slacks than your friend. <laughs> I have to say, Nick, and some of this is the town and some of this is your ability to spin a yarn, which you've clearly inherited from, from your dad. Sure. But I like to claim that growing up in West Orange, that West Orange was a weird place. But you just described that an average school day would start with a child wandering out of a cemetery in the fog. And it would end with a local drunk at 3.15 preaching to you kids while a anachronistic security guard who looks like an extra from a horror movie wow. tried to get them to go away. And then two septuagenarian twins in matching outfits would walk by speaking and walking in unison. And that was an average yeah. school day for a Totowa kid. Well, we, would, we would also pass by Wave and Joe in the morning during the Wave and Joe protests. Cause waving Joe was in front of the elementary school. So he was around the corner, which this is, this is why I'm upset with anybody that was mad at Joe because they were complaining about the, the horns honking. If you know where he was positioned, his house was one block from union Boulevard, one block from the main drag connecting the rest of the world to Patterson, New Jersey. If you don't think that road full of DPW trucks, fire trucks, EMTs, normal day-to-day -day stuff was already a catastrophe. A few horn honks for a nice old man are a nothing. That's a drop in the bucket for you. So anybody that was mad at Joe, I, I no, I, unacceptable. And I, unacceptable to take that away from that. And I, I don't want you to lie about this, but I get the sense that like growing up in Toto, when you say 
anybody who was mad at Joe, it's unacceptable. My sense is that you probably just knew him around town as Joe or your family at the very least probably just knew him as Joe. Whereas to the rest of New Jersey, he was waving <laughs> Joe, the legend. No, actually, I don't know anyone that knows really? him. Uh, <laughs> no. My, my, okay, so we're going back that far. My parents are probably my age now. They were probably young. They, we lived on the other side of town. We didn't live near the school. I got bussed in. I was in, I was in a different section. Um, so, like, I don't think they, I mean, they knew of him. I'm sure they did, but they weren't like, he wasn't coming over for dinner or nothing. He was a nice guy. Smile. And then he had the American flag, a little folding chair, and his hat. There was also in weird New Jersey, and I think I've asked you about this, but I forget what you said. I know, and it, it may it may actually be coupled with something else you've mentioned. I just didn't realize it's the same house. I also remember there was an article I was always fascinated by, and we never heard much follow-up about, that there was a house in Totoa where someone used to post signs on their property that said something along the lines of, the device is in the brain, the <laughs> That the heat from the body powers the device. There was somebody who used to leave messages in their windows or something like that. Do you remember that too? I don't know if this is the same house, but um, there's a section of Totowa called uh, Day Hill, which was like the first kind of nicer neighborhood that Totowa built. It was built back in the, I guess, late seventies or whatever. So Totowa was pretty much just a working class commuter town. I think to, in my mind, Totowa was built on a dare <laughs> where like, <laughs> on a bet or something. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense um, where people, a lot of people that moved there in the 15 and sixties were commuting to New York and then they would just come home and all the houses kind of looked the same. And it was kind of just this little place you could stay when you had to wake up and then go live your life in the city or whatever. And day Hill was sort of like the first nice neighborhood catering to people who had a little more money who could buy bigger houses. And I remember it was kind of in the middle of the mountains. And I guess there were some houses that had been there since before it was a planned community. So there were these regular looking homes, small homes, like real small, like garden sheds, almost looking homes. And um, I remember they were up in this mountain that had this beautiful view of Garrett mountain reserve and the Patterson and New York city and all this stuff, this gorgeous view up on this cliff. And then they built all these new like McMansions in the nineties, hollow, like that tan stucco with the pillars and the mm. stone lions out front. And I remember this one guy up there used to put a bunch of crazy crap in his windows um, and then car parts all over his front lawn. And he would just put these signs down that said alongside some crazy stuff. He would also say like, thanks for wrecking the view assholes, like that kind of thing. Like he was just kind of, Hey, I've been here for a minute. I like it up here. It was nice and quiet when I bought this place 50 years ago. And now this piece of crap across the street built this stucco monstrosity that now I can't even look out over the mountains at night and see the stars. That might be the same guy. Because I used to get lost up there. Day Hill was one of the neighborhoods like you could literally drive around forever and like you'd find a new road. Like there were no, like it wasn't, you couldn't buy a map really because they were developing it faster than they were printing maps for Northern New Jersey. Oh wow. So there was a time where like you would just drive around new places that weren't really on the map. I love the thought of him going, you're blocking my view. And you've now explained it in a way where his view was almost definitely of a cemetery. Sounds like most I of Totowa, you could be looking there. into a cemetery from most I of actually, town. Actually, I, I would suggest to anybody, go up to the highest points in Totowa. And it's, it's, I think it's on the same mountain range that's that Gara Mountain is. So like, you can kind of look out over, you have mountains on one side, lights on the other side, and then you have the city in the distance. It's actually kind of nice. We used to go every 4th of July to the highest point we could find 
my family and we would just look out and someone would buy 10 grand worth of fireworks and be shooting them off. You could watch it for hours. We would bring folding chairs and just sit up there. It was either that or just truck over to Wayne and like have to sit in the Wayne high school parking lot and watch it. So it was one or the other. Can I ask you as someone who grew up there, I have a very distinct experience of when I went to Rutgers, my roommate, my freshman year was also from West Orange and we'd be sitting around the dorm and people would be telling stories and laughing about high school. And then he or I would tell a story and he and I would be cracking up and invariably people would just stare at us. And we started Mm -hmm. to realize, Oh, our life wasn't normal by the standards of most of the, most of the other people we tell stories we think are funny and they look concerned because West Orange was, had a weirdly violent streak back in the 80s and 90s. And some mm-hmm. of the things we came to think of as funny, people were going, wait, that, that really happened in your high school and no one got in trouble? And we started to realize, oh, it wasn't like that for everybody. Totowa sounds like a place where, again, people wandering through the <laughs> in unison, security guards that look like they walked off the stead of Stepford Wives, on top of at what stage in your life do you come to understand and embrace? Okay. Total was, there's something in the air. There's something in the water. We're not like everybody else. When do you start to realize that? I guess once you, I mean, I guess, you know, something's weird when it's weird. Like, it's not like, I don't know. I, I think as like, I definitely, the older I get, I look back and I'm like, Oh, that was like, you take everything for granted when you're younger, like everything else. Like if you grew up around, like, let's say you grew up near the, the, the ocean, you're like, Oh yeah, jet skis are normal. Everyone's got a jet ski. <laughs> and then you, you move to Colorado and you're like, oh, I miss that jet ski. Yeah. But like, I guess just being part of like a town that looked and felt like, like, I don't know if you remember the show Erie, Indiana, Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit like that where it was sort of, it was normal enough, but every now and again there'd be this Goosebumps level R.L. Stein bullshit going on. <laughs> like, is that really happening here? Like, it, it would just be a thing. Like, when you're young, you try to make sense of things, and, like, the way me and my friends made sense of things was to joke about it. So, like, if you're, if something's freaking you out or weird or strange, you're going to laugh at it because that's a way to digest it. You know, like, like a chicken swallows pebbles to make its food go down. <laughs> we would just kind of just joke about stuff to make it easier and more palatable to be around. Because it could be a very boring place if you're not paying attention. If your head's in the ground, it's just another place. It's just another, like, you know, uh, a couple square miles with a few thousand people. And it's nothing special. Like I said, it's the size of Clifton High. Um, but, yeah, if you if you just kind of, like kept her head out the window. Everything was weird. I remember we had a bus driver named Speedy. We called him Speedy because he was 90 years old and he drove 10 miles an hour and he wore a, the same chicken yellow, chicken yellow sweater every day with like a, one of those VFW baseball caps. And he would go 10 miles an hour. And we love Speedy because he never spoke, but you could try to get, it was like an English guard. Like you try to get him to talk and he would just be like, Arr. Wasn't mean, wasn't nasty, just an ancient man driving children early in the morning. And then our going home bus driver, I forget her name, but she was, she should have been driving a monster truck because she knew all the potholes and she knew and it was an episode of the Simpsons where they would try to get on one side of the bus to tip it on sharp turns. We told her about that episode and she goes, let's give it a go. <laughs> no. And she would hit this one pothole no. going to school. I hit the ceiling in this bus. We hit a pothole. We, she would hit corners. I'm pretty sure they had to redo a couple like vent, like drainage 
um, like gates because she was just hitting this thing going 25 and a bunch of kids that weigh 90 pounds just flying into the air like they're on a seesaw. And that's probably the time of your life. Oh, the, the hardest I've ever laughed in my life is flying off of the, yeah, yeah flying off of a bus. Seat. And do you think, looking back on it, was she legitimately like, oh, this is a fun thing for the kids? Or was there some element of her that was like, I'm a complete nihilist and I don't care who lives and who dies? And you didn't understand that back then. Could you imagine being a middle school bus driver in the early 90s? You have no help. You have no backup. You have no anything. I don't think that radio did anything. There was a radio. And I don't think it made, a, I don't think it had a signal in it. She's at the mercy of 40, just people on the cusp of puberty going absolutely apeshit, carving names into the back of seats, fighting each other over pog slammers, going absolutely bonkers. Some of the kids are listening to Pantera. Some are listening to Wu-Tang. Some are just quiet and weird, but they bite, they bite. And she's got to be there. If, if, one guy, if one kid is like, hey, we think we can tip the bus, and she goes, okay, if I pretend to try to tip this bus, they'll love me. And if they love me, they'll respect me. So yeah, I just think it was like, okay, kids, I know I'm not going to tip this bus hitting a corner, but to a bunch of featherweights, this is going to feel like you're getting rocked. And I was just, um, it was also at the bottom of a hill too. So in our minds, we're like going down the hill, like it's a water slide. You go down Union Avenue, you would make this right-hand turn right by where the CVS is now, which used to be a nightclub called The Hop. Um, and it was just this massive turn. And uh, he would he would rock our asses off, man. I I, I swore I got a hernia from that man. With sp- flying off, of that it seat. sounds like with Speedy. I don't know how you ever made it to school on time. And with the lady at the end of the day, I don't know how you ever made it home alive. It was great, man. Was great. That's a yes. Oh, go for I it. I mean, he did. His, you don't have to, you don't have to go fast. It's a small town. You can drive fifteen miles an hour and get to school. This is a beautiful note to end on. It's the exact type of thing that I'll tell you. Sometimes you and me are out there on these roads, heading to some comedy club, heading to some music venue that doesn't—it's never had a comedy show before. We're going to have to explain to them how to set up the chairs, and you'll bust out something like that, and I'll go, "You got me through this ride," and I didn't—I didn't even have to turn on. I didn't have to go to the iTunes. That it's a beautiful thing. This has been episode one of talking Totoa at Nick. I feel like that story right there—just this image you've painted of a nine thousand person town where there's cemeteries everywhere and purple houses and bones houses and basketball. It's twin peaks. You grew up. It's twin peaks. Toto was the closest to a real life twin peaks I've ever heard of. Um, yeah, I, I guess, um, there's definitely something in those woods, man. There's definitely something in those woods and there's a one eyed Jacks somewhere in Toto. There's probably a couple one eyed Jacks oh. in Toto, uh, that I don't know about. Well- I would say this is a stunning debut. Welcome officially. You've been welcome to New Jersey is the world on the stage before. Welcome officially to the airwaves. I have a feeling that people are going to clamor for more. And I just want to put it out here. We have a voicemail line, 973-780-4660. You can leave voicemails. And specifically, if you've ever been to Totowa and had questions about it, if you have heard Nick say something and you want to ask him if it's true or for more details, I'm telling you this should be a dialogue. Cause I have a feeling <laughs> it's one of those things too, where you can't grow up that way and ever fully understand the level of abnormality. So I have a feeling too, people might ask you questions that feel obvious where you'll go, 
oh, I've never thought of, and the answers will be stunning. So we need the whole community to step up. If you want to unpeel the many layers of the <laughs> onion that is Totowa, New Jersey, we've got a master storyteller here who can help us stumble through this strange and wonderful town that's right next to the Willowbrook Mall. So much of the strangest. Oh, I got a lot about oh, the mall. Dude. I mean, so much of the strangest shit in New Jersey is a stone's throw from the Willowbrook Mall, and Toto was mm-hmm. proudly right there. So, nine seven three seven eight zero four six six zero. If you have questions about Toto, leave them. If you have reactions, leave them in the comment section in the Patreon. Patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Nick, a stunning debut, and I think people's oh, jaws are going to drop when they hear about. I think everyone has one or two stories like that. But it sounds like... T- t- yeah, everyone does. I, I would argue that you... As I've gotten to know you, I've come to understand, like... <laughs> Toto was probably the closest to drinking just the pure orange juice concentrate when it comes to the strangeness of New Jersey. It's the most concentrated. And I'm so happy <laughs> that you're here to help unearth these diamonds and, and pull back the curtain on this place. We're calling them diamonds. Ah, yeah. There's something. There's something. You know when you can make a diamond out of like a, your dead dog's hair? There's guys that do that. Or you can like send a guy a clump of like your dead dog's hair and he'll be like, I can make this into a diamond with like a pressure cooker and a couple of ice clamps. It's going to take us six months. And you're like, yes, sir. Um, that's. I hope someone that I graduated with listens to this. Oh, I can't. Because I want. I want. I. I. I know where some people are, but I can count on one hand Listen, the people that I grew up with. If you grew up with Nick and lost touch with him, <laughs> and you want to get on this show, I mean, I could see us someday doing a Toto a roundtable of people. If you're from Toto and you find it nine seven three seven eight zero four six six zero, and you want to talk more about Toto, I would love, Nick, if it's not the most uncomfortable idea in the world for you, if this someday built to a Totowa resident roundtable of people from different eras of Totowa uh, telling their own Totowa stories, what a, what a stunning tribute to the hometown. I don't even want to talk to them. I just want a diamond made out of their hair. I just want that. That's all I want. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the world is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the world and on Instagram at New Jersey is the world. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World, where New Jersey is the World. <laughs>